It is time for us to begin our midday program here on a very nice sunny Tuesday where we'll see temperatures about 20 degrees above normal today. And then, uh, yeah, then they're going to go back down. But we'll just focus on today. Jason Jorgensen in here along with Bob Brogan, them. Scott Foster, Susan Littlefield is in here too. And uh, some days we're not sure if Susan's got the sunshine we do. I'm pretty sure she does today, right? I do, and my kids are already done with their schoolwork for the day, so they're outside picking up sticks in the yard. Excellent. That's a good thing to do. I was doing that yesterday, so my goodness. it's There's, yep. a, there's a lot to be picked up right there now. There is. <laughs> what do you got going on for us today? Well, we're going to be talking about, believe it or not, and there's a lot of field work going on around me as I hear tractors going up and down the road. We're going to talk about what uh, COVID-19, how that may or may not affect your fuel distribution centers and what that's going to mean for agriculture. And then we'll let Jason talk about 1245 because that's an exciting interview for him. And then we wrap it all up at 117 as we talk about planting and the infrastructure of getting the chemicals and things you need, excuse me, because of COVID-19. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see, too, if when things break down, how long it's going to take to get parts and stuff for a while, too. So that's all figured in there, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Lots of things to talk about. Okay. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Well, Jason, Jason, she uh, she let, she talked to us about twelve forty five. Now you can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna hear from former Husker and uh, current U.S. Olympian Jordan Larson. Uh, she was hoping to be part of Team USA in the Olympics this summer. Of course, it's been backed off now. Hopefully, to twenty twenty one. Interesting story with Jordan. Of course, not only do you play for Team USA, but to supplement your income, a lot of the players play overseas. Oh yeah, and she was playing in a short season over in China. And Jordan just happened to get back to the United States before all of this blew up. And she was back. And then two days later, they started testing folks at the airport in L.A. So she will talk about that and uh, get her thoughts on what it was like playing in China. And I don't want to ruin the interview, but she was over there and had no clue. Wow. Well, as always, good timing. She always was good. You get good timing on those hits. So, <laughs> but but she has a chance here, if the Olympics happen next year, and we have to assume they will, to be a member of Team USA for three times. Wow. That that is incredible longevity in a team sport. That really is. Yeah. So she's had quite a career, and volleyball has been very very good to her. And we'll hear from her in just a little bit more than an hour. All right. Very good. That'll be interesting. Always good to hear from her. All right, we turn it over to uh, Bob Brogan right now. Let's see. Stocks, uh, they're doing good. Up again, 700 points. Stocks, uh, stocks climbing and uh, trading on Wall Street as markets around the world are uh, realizing some more big gains following their huge rally a day earlier. The S&P 500 index rose more than 2% in the first minutes of trading and added on to Monday's 7% surge. Despite today's market gains, more economic misery is on the horizon. Uh, Economists expect a report on Thursday to show that 5 million Americans applied for unemployment benefits last week. And uh, U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams echoed optimistic comments by the President and Vice President saying that if Americans keep practicing social distancing for the rest of April, we can gradually start to reopen in some places so that's those are some of the stories we're watching all right thank you very much that's all coming up on mid 
time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here right now. Very nice day here today. Yes, already many of us with temperatures in the low and mid-70s and even those locations that don't have 70s are still in the upper 60s, especially Lincoln right now, 66. So Norfolk at last check had 68. Also some temperatures on into the upper 50s to low 60s and much of the Nebraska Panhandle, but a lot of us low to mid 70s, up to 77 at Aurora in New York, and also 77 on your temperature in Holdridge. Living right right now. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I tell you, it, it just is. And, and you go outside. I mean, you're looking at... Kansas Hall in the 70s, 60s, and in northeast Colorado, too. It's just a just a, a very nice day. Of course, you know, it's a little breezy. Exactly, but but we will take that with the 70s. We, will. we absolutely will. <laughs> Better enjoy it, though, because today, our warmest day of the year so far this year, and it looks like it's going to be our warmest day that we're going to see over the next few weeks. So highs today topping out about 20 degrees above normal, just ahead of a cold front. So if you like the warm weather, better soak it up today because you're going to need to keep it inside you for quite a while. The drier and breezy northwest winds today also resulting in critical fire danger. We do have a red flag warning in effect for central and western Nebraska this afternoon into the early evening. Tonight, some passing clouds and a still warm air mass will keep our lows on the mild side in the 40s. Fire danger once again a concern tomorrow with some strong north to northwest winds in behind a strong cold front. After we reach seasonal highs tomorrow, some of us could see steady or falling temperatures during the afternoon. The coolest of the air arriving on Thursday with most highs in the 50s. A nice warm-up, though, on the way for Good Friday with the southerly flow. That will warm our highs back into the 60s. There is some uncertainty on the exact timing of the next cold front that arrives Saturday or Saturday night with the timing making a big difference on the high temperatures. Right now we expect mainly seasonal temperatures in that front arriving during the mid to late part of the day. There will be a chance of some rain and maybe even some thunderstorms with the passing of that front on Saturday. Behind that front are highs Sunday and Monday expected to fall into the 40s with some small chances of rain and snow. And something to watch, there is one forecast model indicating that we could see the potential of several inches of snow on Easter Sunday. Nope. Listen, nobody talks to that <laughs> forecast model. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it is an outlier right now, but it is something to definitely pay attention to, maybe the potential of some snow on Easter Sunday, because it's going to be fairly cold in our long-term forecast. Temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. very likely to remain colder than normal Easter Sunday through April 20th. The main brunt of that cold air pushing east in the later periods. Nebraska and Kansas precipitation will be near normal to slightly above normal for Easter Sunday through the 20th with that better chance of precip early next week. Yesterday's warmer soil temperatures improved the soil temperatures at 4-inch depth at 7 this morning. Soil temperatures in nearly all of Nebraska into northwest Kansas in the low to mid-40s. For southeast Nebraska into central, southwest, and northwest Make that central, southwest, and northeast Kansas. The soil temperatures were right around the 50-degree mark. From Salina and points to the south and east, soil temperatures warming up to the mid to upper 50s. Market-impacting weather factors include colder weather expected for the central U.S. and continued rain chances in central Brazil. Midwest and northern plains temperatures still on track to cool from much above normal this week to much below normal by next week. The colder weather that's expected to last for about two weeks will curtail further warming of soils for field work and early planting. Precipitation will vary, but prevalent enough to hinder 
of the soil drying in much of the Midwest and Northern Plains. Across the Northern Corn Belt, current topsoil moisture rated more than one-third surplus in many states, and those states include Ohio, Minnesota, Michigan, North Dakota, the Dakotas, uh, South, South Dakota there, also Wisconsin and Missouri. Southern Plains precipitation will vary this next week. Eastern areas will have light to moderate amounts, while the drier western areas of the Southern Plains with mainly light totals. In central and northern Brazil, rain continues to be in their forecast. Southern areas, though, are drier with additional crop stress on the way. Crop, crop estimates continue to be reduced for Brazil. Okay, well, all right. So uh, we're just going to focus on today <laughs> and hope that, uh, boy, Easter Sunday, though, could be a little filthy. Yeah, right? a much different uh, forecast here as we head towards Sunday and Monday with highs only expected to top out in the 40s and potential for some snow to mix in with some rain chances. Now, the main brunt of this storm system is passing well to our south, so we're just going to get kind of sideswiped with some rain and snow chances Friday night into Sunday. Hmm. Okay, very good. Well, uh, weird stuff. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? WeatherTab, krvn.com. How is COVID-19 going to affect fuel movement as we get ready to hit planting 2020? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I spoke with Jason Schwantz. He's Senex Harvest State's Senior Vice President of Refined Fuels. You know, in the ag industry, I, I think there is a little concern, but it's really not with diesel fuel uh, supply. It actually is going to be on the gas side of supply. And uh, what really is going to happen here, you know, demand has dropped so much for gasoline demand, it could cause some issues with plugging up the lines and getting the diesel fuel where it needs to go. Right now, there is plenty of diesel fuel out there. It's just we're a little bit worried about, you know, what is this gasoline situation with all these stay-at-home, shelter-at-home uh, things going into place due to COVID-19 going to do to gasoline demand. And it has been sinking, and uh, refineries produce more gasoline than they do diesel fuel. So we are concerned with that. Right now, it's not an issue. There's plenty of supply out there. But uh, how far does this gasoline demand drop could cause some issues for us. So so what are some things that our producers need to do to prepare for the, the what-ifs down the road? Uh, you know what I would say right now, the, the best advice I could give them, you know what, uh, it's a good price. It's lower than it has been in a while. You know, getting out there and filling your tanks would be a really good thing, making sure they're full. And uh, not for a couple of reasons. One, you, you get some supply there. And two, if you look at it, um, you, you get a pretty good price. It, it, this is the lowest prices we've seen in quite some time, which I think is a, is a uh, good thing for the American farmer is this lower price. And, and quite frankly, too, we want you out there driving, you know, doing your normal thing in the rural areas. We want you to be safe, just like we want all of our customers to be safe, our employees to be safe. But uh, we need to burn a little gasoline, too, to make sure that we can get that diesel fuel there. Well, let's talk about that great product that you guys do have available all over the upper Midwest for our producers. Uh, you know, we do. We do have uh, our Senex Premium Diesel Fuel uh one thing we tout about it, we get more power out of it. Uh, we're one of the nation's largest uh, users or sellers of premium diesel fuel. Um, it's a great product. Uh, we're really high on it. It's big in the uh, ag industry. If you look at it, it's a proven product. 
you know, it'll burn cleaner, burn safer, burn, and it just, it's a really good product out there that, that we're really proud of. And uh, it's shown, too, because, uh, you know, the agricultural community that we services and the, commu- and the cooperatives have sold it like crazy, and uh, we're really proud of it. Anything else, Jason, that you would like to add? Well, I just want to make sure that everybody, you know, stays safe out there. Um, You know, at CHS, one of our core values is safety, and we've taken a lot of steps to make sure we remain safe. And we know the cooperatives have taken a lot of uh, steps to make sure they stay safe, and we want to make sure that our customers stay safe, you know. People are probably going to be delivering fuel out there. The springtime comes, you know not only with COVID-19, but uh, everybody gets pretty hectic in this spring, and I know everybody really wants to get out and do things, and I just want to make sure that people stay stay safe out there. That's my conversation with Jason Swantz. By the way, the Central State Center for Agricultural Safety and Health at the University of Nebraska Medical Center is providing guidance on the prevention and spread of COVID-19 for farmers, ranchers, and agricultural workers. Precautions include eliminating exposure, finding ways to reduce person-to-person contact, and using administrative authority to establish new work guidelines. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. It's time for sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the NFL draft will be conducted in a virtual format with team personnel working out from their homes later on this month. The draft originally was scheduled to be held in Vegas, but the NFL canceled all public events last month. Now, while draft picks face an uncertain next couple of weeks without being able to make team visits in person, that hasn't stopped outlets from producing mock drafts. CBS Sports released a full seven-round mock draft earlier this week, and a couple of Huskers are potentially going in this year's event. According to CBS Sports, Lamar Jackson will be the first Husker to come off the board in their mock draft. Jackson was picked by the Raiders with the 17th pick of the third round, 81st overall. Jackson is rated by CBS as the 96th overall prospect and the 13th best cornerback. Jackson went through the Senior Bowl in the NFL Combine in January and February, then worked out at Nebraska's Pro Day before everything was shut down. Now, the only other Husker to appear in the mock draft was defensive tackle Khalil Davis. The mock draft sees him going to Washington with the 15th pick of the seventh round. CBS Sports ranks him as the 183rd overall prospect and the 16th best player at his position. Well, Nebraska great and Dominican Sue was one of 52 players to receive the honor of making the NFL's all-decade team for the 2010s. Sue was the only Husker on that list. The team was chosen by a 48-member selection committee formed by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Sue, who is getting set to enter his 11th NFL season, just re-signed last month with a one-year deal with the Buccaneers. He's had a solid career, 63 and a half sacks and 542 tackles in 164 career games. Second overall draft pick back in 2010. He's also played for the Lions, Dolphins, and the Rams. Well, Major League Baseball and its players are increasingly focused on a plan that could allow them to start the season as early as next month. So far, this has the support of high-ranking federal public health officials who think that the league can safely operate amid the pandemic. Though the plan still has a number of potential stumbling blocks, it has emerged above other options as the likeliest to work and be embraced by MLB and the Players Union. 
According to ESPN, the plan would dictate that all 30 teams play games at stadiums with no fans in the greater Phoenix area, including the Arizona Diamondbacks, Chase Field, 10 spring training facilities, and perhaps other nearby fields. Players, coaching staff, and other essential personnel would be sequestered at local hotels where they will live in relative isolation and travel only to and from the stadium for the games. We'll see if this actually happens. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime. KRVN.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by COZAD Community Health. Business across Nebraska has suffered due to the coronavirus. With the cancellation of Nebraska State Activities Association activities for the spring, local retail stores have had to maneuver their inventory to adapt. Scott Saborin, owner of Geared for Sports in Broken Bow, adds that the store shelves may look similar next year, as they did this year for sportwear. We probably will not be ordering anything else. You know, we have to order a lot of stuff. It's like August is when we order it for the year before. At this point, if less things change, we probably won't order anything next year. We'll still have it all on hand next year, which in turn hurts everybody. Saboran also adds that geared for sports gear can be ordered online and that ordering ahead for future seasons now can help save money later. State health officials report that two remote Nebraska counties have reported their first cases of a new coronavirus that has spread across the globe. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services says Cheyenne County in the Nebraska panhandle reported a woman in her 20s testing positive for COVID-19. Local officials said the woman had been in close contact with another infected person. And on the opposite side of the state, in northeastern Nebraska's Stanton County, a man in his 60s with no underlying health conditions has tested positive for the virus. Officials say his case originates from community spread, meaning health officials can't trace the source of the infection. Hospitals and medical centers nationwide are taking on the COVID-19 outbreak. Buffalo County has been preparing for a major outbreak and has taken steps to make space for COVID patients in local hospitals. Amanda Polacek of KRMC adds that limiting patients is one solution, but only some sections of the day-to-day operations are changing. We have a separate maternity wing of our hospital that's not even connected. It has one entrance, but it's completely on its own. So we would never put anybody over in maternity. You know, we're already decreasing our surgery schedule to the bare bones to only take urgent cases or things deemed appropriate by providers right now. Buffalo County has also created additional space within each local hospital and will use local physician clinics and the UNK campus if needed for patient overflow. Governor Pete Ricketts says Nebraska's approach to dealing with the coronavirus pandemic is getting the support of Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert. Ricketts, who is holding daily news conferences, says he and Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds spoke to Fauci on Monday. Uh, Governor Reynolds and I were both on the same phone call, and he asked me to share that uh, with our conversation, he, we are on the same page with regard to Dr. Fauci, with regard to how the states of Nebraska and Iowa are working to limit the spread of coronavirus here in our state. 
Ricketts said Fauci did not tell him that he thought Nebraska should go to a stay-at-home order. The governor noted that the next month will be a decisive stage of the war against the coronavirus. He urged Nebraskans to stay home, stay healthy, and stay connected over the coming weeks. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Jason Jorgensen with you on the Rural Radio Network. Been quite a week for former Husker volleyball star Jordan Larson, who learned that not only would she be going into the Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame, but also into the Nebraska High School Sports Hall of Fame. Had a chance to catch up to Larson, and she says uh, she's humbled by those events. Yeah, I, I mean, even just when you say it out loud, I still just like can't believe it. I don't know. I still see myself as this little girl that had... Uh, just a big dream you know and it's just crazy like when I think back on all the times and all the memories and yeah I'm still just like can't believe it still in shock <laughs> what what about your longevity in the sport you, you have a chance here to go to your third Olympics if that happens next year in Japan uh, I, that's quite an accomplishment oh man I never in a million years thought that I would be playing this long I mean I read I kind of had some desire and wanted it right but I never thought that it would be possible or my body would hold up because I mean it's been okay I mean I haven't had too bad of a um you know injury report I guess you could say and so um yeah I've just been really blessed to be able to continue and um some days are harder than others (laughs) mentally trying to to keep going but uh I I've really yeah I've been really blessed with a, a great career so far You've been blessed, but I'm sure a lot of hard work has gone to that, too. What's When things aren't crazy, what, what what's a daily regimen for you? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I'm still, um, even right now, right, like, we can't really play, we can't really do anything. I still try to, like, strive and have some sort of schedule. So I force myself to get out of bed. I jump on the bike at 7.30. I have, like, a Zoom call with my strength coach, and he kind of with some of my teammates also, we kind of work out together um, and I work out in my garage. So still trying to have some sort of um, activity and physical activity just to keep me going and keep me motivated. So yeah, otherwise I'm just spending time with family and just kind of really enjoying this downtime right now, (laughs) to be honest. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like right now. Today on Midday, we're joined by former Husker volleyball star Larson, who recently was named to a couple of Hall of Fames in the state of Nebraska. Jordan, a couple weeks back, the word came down, no Olympics this year in Japan. As someone who's been gearing up and working hard for that event, what was that like to hear that news that uh, that's not going to happen this year? Yeah, I mean, they were stuff started just like canceling left and right, you know, and so I think we all were anticipating it, right? Like we knew something was going to happen, but... Uh, I was just really glad it's not canceled. <laughs> that was my biggest fear. I was like, man, we put all this work in and then they would cancel it. Like, that would have been a bummer, you know? And so I think I'm just grateful for that and just trying to keep my body and mind healthy for the next year and a half, basically. And, yeah, that's the goal. And I'm actually grateful for the time. Uh, I think our team kind of needed it. Uh, we had some new girls and... Um, yeah, just getting to know each other better, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful, and I think it's going to work in our favor. What have you kind of heard from Team USA? What, what's kind of your schedule going forward, or is it really a, a wait-and-see situation at this point? 
Yeah, we are kind of like a wait and see kind of thing. Um, we uh, have workouts here for like the next, you know, four weeks probably because, as you know, like California shelter in place until I think the 30th, I think. So that's kind of what we're aiming for and hoping that it's going to come sooner than that. But I think that's kind of what we're thinking about now. What was the original plan? Had this not happened, you know, what, what did the schedule look like for you this summer? Yeah, this summer. So we just had uh, basically two major tournaments, BNL and the Olympics. And so BNL is basically a seven-week-long tournament where we're in a different country every single week. And then, yeah, we had basically two weeks off before the Olympics then. And so um, that was kind of where our focus is at. And um, I signed a short season in China, so I was actually done probably two months ago. So I've just been here in California training and just trying to get stronger. And, um, yeah, that was kind of where my focus is at. So you might have just got out of China at the right time. Then Was there a lot of talk about the coronavirus at that time when you were still over there? There was nothing. Nothing was being spoke about it. Nothing. I had got home, and two days later, they started screening at LAX. That was the first time I had heard anything about it. So, um, I don't know. It was it was a shock to me that anything had, had been said or come out later, you know? Well, volleyball has certainly been uh, very good to you as, as you look back on this run. What are some of the top moments for you? Is there anything that really stands out? Oh, I don't know if there's, like, one. I feel like there's, like, a lot of them, a lot of standouts. I mean, obviously, winning a national championship in 06 was great. 08 team was just fantastic. Um, obviously, when I first made my first Olympic team in 2012, and then obviously summer winning the silver medal, but, I, I mean, it's still a fantastic accomplishment. And then, obviously, I think uh, another favorite, sorry to give you so many, <laughs> another favorite memory is uh, winning the bronze medal. Uh People don't tell you, like, you don't just get to walk away with a bronze medal. You have to earn it. And after a disappointing loss in the semi, uh, it's tough to turn around a day and a half later and try and uh, pull it together emotionally more than physically, you know. And so uh, that is probably one of my one of my favorites. All right, that was former Husker volleyball star Jordan Larson. Hopefully she gets a chance to help represent Team USA next year in the Olympics in Japan. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by COZAD Community Health. With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks climbed in early trading on Wall Street today as markets around the world piled on even more big gains following their huge rally a day earlier. The S&P 500 index rose more than 2% in the first few minutes of trading and added on to Monday's 7% surge, following encouraging signs that the coronavirus pandemic may be close to leveling off in some of the hardest-hit areas of the world. The stock market is looking ahead to when economies will reopen after authorities shut down businesses and travel and issued stay-at-home orders in hopes of slowing the spread of the virus. 
Despite today's market gains, more economic misery is on the horizon. Economists expect a report on Thursday to show that 5 million Americans applied for unemployment benefits last week as layoffs sweep the country. That would bring the total to nearly 15 million over the past three weeks. Analysts also expect big companies in upcoming weeks to report their worst quarter of profit declines in more than a decade. U.S. employers posted a healthy number of job openings in February. Evidence that the job market was still in decent shape before the viral outbreak brought the economy to a near standstill. The report released by the Labor Department today is largely an artifact from the pre-virus era before nearly 90% of the U.S. population was subject to shutdown orders. U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams echoed optimistic comments by President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence saying that if Americans keep practicing social distancing for the rest of April, we can start to slowly reopen in some places. Speaking on ABC's Good Morning America, Adams said U.S. officials are watching to see how China and South Korea handle reopening their societies after putting mitigation efforts in place to deal with outbreaks of the coronavirus. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. All around me, I can hear the work being done on fields getting ready for planting 2020. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Gary Halverson is Senex Harvest State's Senior Vice President of Agronomy. He and I talked about how COVID-19 is going to affect getting the things you need to get the crop in the ground. Well, you know, I think we should start by saying we hope that everybody has as safe a spring as they've ever had. You know, the activities involved in, in agriculture, farming, and the supply chain behind the farmer um, has some inherent risk to it, and then add the COVID-19 scare, and of course, it's that much more complexity. But but right now, we feel good about how we're situated. We've taken, uh, at CHS, we've taken, I think, some big steps to, to split our workforces at the terminals and at the fertilizer plants and at the import facilities and, and all the way along the supply chain to make sure that that you know we might be running a little light-handed um, as as compared to normal or or how we might like to run, but we're doing that to keep employees uh, distanced and safe and taking necessary precautions. And then you know we've taken our salespeople off the road, which is an unusual thing for us, but but it's necessary to keep everybody safe. You know, the business agriculture. I mean, even how I've grown up in this for 26 years is done kind of leaning over a tailgate on the edge of a field somewhere or standing in somebody's shop, and that's not how we get to act for the spring planting 2020. So just, you know, some unusual ways to operate, but so far the supply chain is running efficiently and things are working, and so it's our goal just to continue that all the way through planting and make sure we're there uh, and exceed our customers' expectations. So for those customers that know you guys aren't out on the roads, what avenues are you guys taking then to be able to reach out to those folks, knowing that there isn't that tailgate conversation going on? We're very blessed that we all, I think, in our pockets have more technology today than than ever before. So, you know, Skype calls with with farms and with retailers. There's uh, uh, FaceTime chats, text, of course, emails. Um, farm planning through digital software tools, either, you know, the one that we provide directly to farmers or called the Jellum or other resources that farmers use so that we're getting information back and forth. Um, but it, it is different, right? And it's, it's all custom. It depends on how the customer wants to be contacted. And that's the vehicle that, that we're happy to, to put in play and make sure that we're there to answer questions and, and exceed their expectations because there's no shortage of questions to ask, right? Uh, you know, where, where's the urea train and, and what's the price of UAN and, 
And, uh, you know, how about the inoculant that should go on my soybeans and, and where does that come from, right? Any number of questions. So people are concerned about everything from price to, to inventory to supply chain. And, and frankly, there's a lot of personal questions being asked too. How are you and your family? I think might be one of the most commonly asked questions today, which is kind of nice. I don't know that we've taken time to add that touch of humanity to our conversations in the past. In the busy seasons of agriculture, we tend to rush through our day. So now it's a bit of a personal touch, which I think is actually a good thing. Do you see any potential slowdown in product reaching the farmer because of just transportation delays and product movement delays? You know, I, uh, let me let me put it this way: we we're importing fertilizer from the Arab Gulf actively through our terminal in Galveston, Texas, and so you've got an ocean-going shipper, you've got railroads like the Burlington Northern Santa Fe, barge companies that are up and down the river systems that, you know, we need to operate safely and keep their employees uh, working every day. And then, you know, the, the American trucker, which without without the, you know, the man or woman behind the wheel of the 18-wheeler, America and agriculture really doesn't work very well. My conversation with Gary Halverson. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Cattle producers continue to have struggles now more than ever with COVID-19. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network, and I'd like to invite you to a panel discussion this Wednesday evening, starting at 6 p.m. Central Time. This hour-and-a-half webinar will bring expert panelists to share their insights and discuss the impact of COVID-19 on the beef industry. Register free today at our website, ruralradio.com. In addition to the online stream, the webinar will be aired live on 880 KRVN. This is Alex Wojcicki with the Rural Radio Network. Join me every other Thursday for the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. We hear from entrepreneurs from across the state to learn about their businesses, but more importantly, we learn about their journeys and how they got to where they are today. Interested in entrepreneurship? Join us to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln every other Thursday at 1219 right here on 880 KRVN. And if you missed the program, you can listen to the podcast at RuralRadio.com. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as we're looking here at the grain markets, a little bit of a turnaround. Wheat lower today, corn and soybeans higher. Go back, we did get out the first uh, crop progress reports yesterday. The wheat looking fairly strong. Cotton's going right in the ground right along. So farmers still feeling optimistic about getting a crop in this year. Yeah, I would imagine we're uh, we're going to see a lot of a, not abandoned either. I think given the prices and and uh, you know kind of where the summer crops are, you know, farmers down south, you guys are going to probably take it to the wire and harvest as much as they can. Um, a long way to go, you know. The conditions obviously is the starting point. I, in fact, it's almost probably worse. They start high because they really will probably end up falling in the near term. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna maintain bullishness here on the cotton. I think. You know, we got delivery to get through, but with global prices where they are, I think there's a run coming here to, to five, five, six, five twenty on that front of KC. We got enough to pull corn, you know, to kick the new crop back up into the three seventies. But to get beyond that, you got to really convince me that either we're not playing the corn that USDA says we are, or the yields aren't there, and it's way too early to worry about yield. So, short term, you know, we'll get some up up swings here and there. Um, I don't think we'll rally till after the USDA report. So if I was looking to buy, I would maybe wait, especially on December contracts, wait till you get that big new crop number and then maybe put an order five to ten cents down from where we are and you can catch a sell-off. 
Now, as we look as well in this corn market, we've got Thursday. OPEC is setting up for their meeting. Your thoughts there. Can we actually get some meaningful movement out of this? Well, near term, no. I don't think there's a whole lot of upside in crude oil just in the, in the very near term of what they do. Um, you know, they're talking about a 10 million barrel per day cut between all of the countries, which is possible, but you're still talking about, you know, a substantial amount of, of supply that needs to find a home here given the, the coronavirus. So that's just the short term. But long term, what I find interesting is this is kind of the beginning of a new new OPEC, new world order of, of energy. I mean, you never would have thought it, but it's the, really the, the OPEC of the future could be the U.S., um, the U.S., Russia, and Saudi Arabia. And those three dictate 80% of the world's supply. So um, if they want prices to be higher, they'll be higher. And if they want them lower, they'll be lower. And at this point, I don't think anybody wants them lower. So my advice would be longer term here to look at energy as a, as a way to kind of bring us out of this. But I don't think it's anything that's going to help in the short Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Learn more at their website, danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. and may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal. 